0: Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Our first lesson for this sixth Sunday after Pentecost is found recorded in the book of Exodus, chapter 33, beginning at verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, Look, you yourselves have been telling me, Lead this people up. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. So now, if I have found favor in your sight, Please show me your ways, so that I may know you, so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider that this nation is your people. The Lord said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Moses said to him, if your presence is not going to go with me, do not send us up from here. After all, how would people know that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Isn't it in this way that you go with us so that we are distinguished, I and your people, from all the people who are on the face of the earth? The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have said, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Please show me your glory. The Lord said, I will make all my goodness pass in front of you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord in your presence. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. He said, you cannot see my face, for no human may see me and live. The Lord also said, look, there is a place next to me where you shall stand on the rock. It will happen that while my glory passes by, I will put you in a crevice in the rock. I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you will see my back. But my face will not be seen. The word of the Lord. Our second reading is taken from Romans chapter 7, beginning at the 15th verse. For I do not understand what I am doing, because I do not keep doing what I want. Instead, I do what I hate. And if I do what is what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. But now it is no longer I who am doing it, but it is sin living in me. Indeed, I know the good does not live in me, that is, in my sinful flesh. The desire to do good is present with me but I am not able to carry it out. So I fail to do the good I want to do. Instead, the evil I do not want to do, that is what I keep doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I am who am am doing it, but it is sin living in me. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is present with me. I certainly delight in God's law according to my inner self, but I see a different law at work in my members, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me captive to the law of sin, which is present in my members. What a miserable wretch I am! Who will rescue me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Word of the Lord. Our gospel is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, beginning at the 25th verse. At that time, Jesus continued, I will praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from clever and learned people and have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, because this was pleasing to you, everything has been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wants to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen our text for consideration is found recorded in the gospel of Matthew chapter 11 beginning at the 25th verse i would like to read these words once more at that time jesus continued i praise you father god of lord and earth, of heaven and earth that you have hidden these things from clever and learned people and have revealed them to little children yes father because this was pleasing to you Everything has been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wants to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the theme for the sermon is the yoke is on you. And it's kind of a play on words taken from the jokes on you. So instead, this is the yokes on you, and this is not a joke. By the way, I didn't come up with this theme. I actually found it from a book. I thought it was very cute, so I decided to pick it and put it into the bulletin. And in fact, the very yoke, the word yoke itself, being on you, you can say is not really a compliment. For the word yoke was always used in a negative way. Jesus here is using it in a very positive way when he speaks about his yoke. And he speaks of his yoke as being light and easy. But the very nature of a yoke was never light and easy. No, the yoke was actually that beam, that wood piece that would go over like two oxen who would be basically your tractor and plowing. Because no two animals are the same. One would always be stronger than the other. And if you didn't have this yoke, this wood beam that would tie them together, then you would always have the strong one out pulling the weaker one, which means you would always go in circles. So in order to pull straight and to pull true, you would tie them together so that they would pull together. And that was the yoke. The yoke that tied them together was, was very heavy. And, and because of that, it was always seen, as, as even Jesus put it here, a burden. It was considered a pain. It was a heavy load that you would have up, upon your neck and especially on the neck of that cattle. Again, the word was never used in a positive sense, always in a negative sense. You don't want to have the load of a yoke on your neck and the pain that comes from having that heavy weight on your neck, even in a spiritual sense. But here again, Jesus is speaking of his yoke, his burden, his life. And his burden is easy. Well, what does he mean by yoke, then? In order to understand this word, we have to consider the very opening words of our entire section. Jesus, it says here, at that time, Jesus continued. At that time, the Holy Spirit is moving our gospel writer, Matthew, to write these words down. time we see these words, we are being taught by the Holy Spirit to look at the context, to look at the history, to look at what is around this very text. And that will help us understand the text itself. Going back to chapter 11, verse 1, we hear that Jesus instructed the, the 12 apostles and then sent them out to do missionary work. He'll send out other disciples as well. And as the apostles are going out doing missionary work. Jesus himself is also going from town to town and village to village, preaching and teaching. It was during this time that John the Baptist, who was imprisoned prison for, for complaining and speaking up against King Herod, who had taken his brother's wife and, and took that wife as his very own, Got thrown in prison, and while he was in prison, he sends two of his disciples to Jesus to ask the question: Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect another? John was experiencing some doubt. And Jesus' reply was not just simply yes. He reminded them of the ministry, he reminded them, he reminded them. That he was doing all these miracles and, and these miracles in and of themselves as proof of who Jesus is. But more than that, the miracles that he was doing, he even reemphasizes some of them because these miracles were even prophesied by the Old Testament prophets. Not only the miracle was, was the proof, but the very prophets themselves were proof. Because Jesus was fulfilling all those prophecies. Yes, he is the one. And then Jesus, as he was going from town to town and village to village, we hear him become very strong in his preaching. He has several woe statements. He, he, he speaks of these many of these cities in, in the terms of woe to this city, woe to that city. Because of unbelief. Even though there were great crowds that were following him, many were not coming to faith. And Jesus condemned this unbelief. In fact, it was at that time that Jesus would continue and say, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't complain about the ministry. Lord, we're doing our work here. Why are you not blessing us more? Why are we not getting more believers? Why are we not having more people come to faith? But instead, he praises the Lord. He praises the Father. He is the one who is the Lord of heaven and earth, which means he is the Almighty One, which means he is the All-Knowing One. And it was the Father's holy will that when it came to preaching the message that Jesus was preaching, this message of repentance, it would it would be hidden, as he goes on to say, from the clever and learned people, but have but you have revealed them to little children. The message that Jesus was preaching was not man-made. It didn't come from any human being. He didn't sit down and write a book and had a bestseller, and people booed, and wowed this man for all the wise wisdom that he came up with. No, the world will never understand God's holy word if it's going to use human reasoning to try to figure it out. No, we always take God at his word, letting God speak for himself. God made his word so simple that he revealed them to even little children, which reminds us immediately how we are to understand that word. We do so always with a believing heart. Remember when the disciples were rebuking the the parents because they were bringing children to Jesus, and and that was bothering the master? And it was Jesus who actually rebuked his disciples and, and, and taking the children to him. He would say to them that these children, with their childlike faith, without it, you would not be saved. A childlike faith means trust. Once again, taking God at his word, that simple trust, because God said it. But I always like to add the word, when I think of faith, not just trust, but also confidence. Confidence. Remember remember another true story when Jesus was asked by a centurion to come and heal his servant and as Jesus was approaching the house the centurion sent out messengers to tell him not to come. I don't have, I don't even deserve I am not even worthy to deserve to have you come under my roof. Just say the word and I know it will be done. And that's when Jesus said I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel. And it was spoken of Not to a Jew, but to a Gentile, a Roman soldier. He had confidence that Jesus could do the impossible and knew exactly what to do and when to do it. This is simple childlike faith, this trust and confidence. And by the way, this faith is not just man's work. In fact, it's more than that. This is God's work. You and I, by nature, as sinful human beings, can't even come to faith. We just heard from the Apostle Paul (laughs) make it very clear, I can't even do the good I want to do. Who's going to rescue me from this body of death? The faith that you and I have is a blessing from the Lord, and specifically it is the work of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit doesn't work out of thin air. The Holy Spirit always works through a means. We call it the means of grace. And that means of grace, summed up in one word, is the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus, who he is and what he has done for us. And Jesus goes on to explain exactly who he is, especially when he says, everything has been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son wants to reveal him. The Father and the Son are one. Lord Jesus is emphasizing the Trinity. He doesn't speak of the Holy Spirit here, but we know that the one true God is one God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Son of God, not Son of God in the sense that he's just another fellow believer, and, and if you follow and, and believe the way Jesus believed, you too could earn heaven and win God's favor. No, he is the Son of God, sent by the Father, carrying out with complete authority all that is needed for our salvation. He is the Son of God who took on human flesh to do what none of us can are able to do. And that is save us, save ourselves. He did it all for us. And the result? Rest. His yoke is light, and his burden is easy because of the rest that he gives us. Now, I'm not talking about rest, of uh, sleeping in on Sunday morning and skipping church and because I just need to rest because I stayed up too late the night before and, and God would want me to, of course, rest. No, the rest we're talking about here is the rest that we need for our souls. Just like our body was not made to be workaholics, we do need to sleep. We do need to take breaks. We do need to refresh ourselves, and so does our soul. Our soul needs the rest, which the world cannot give. This is rest that comes from everything Jesus did. Yes, the perfect life he led and the sacrifice he made on the cross. The rest we're talking about that our souls so yearn for is the rest of the forgiveness of sins. Having sins forgiven results in hope. Forgiveness of sins results in peace. Peace in knowing that we no longer live under the fear of guilt, under the fear of condemnation, because we deserve to be punished since we're sinful human beings. No longer living under the fear of death, which is the punishment of sin. We are free forgiven at peace and ultimately at rest. This is what brings joy to our hearts. This is what empowers and strengthens us as we live each moment of every day knowing that because of Jesus Christ, heaven is our home. His yoke is not the yoke of the law. The yoke of the law The law is good because it's one of the teachings of God. But the purpose of the law was not to save us. So many today feel that if I can earn God's favor, if I can keep his commands, if I can keep his laws, then God has to be pleased with me. He has to forgive me. He has to take me to heaven. But as Paul pointed out in Romans, I fall short because of my sinful flesh being even enticed by the sinful world I live in. Everyone else is doing it, so do it. Or even Satan, who says, you need to live for yourself. What about you? What's in it for you? What's best for you? Look to you, because that's what matters. When in actuality, our life belongs to the Lord. We're saved by the Lord, and therefore we belong to the Lord. We don't live under... The yoke of the law. The law is good because it does show us our sins and ultimately a need for our savior. But the law doesn't have the power to get us to stop sinning. Even though it shows us our sins. But the gospel, on the other hand, which calls us to faith in Jesus, which calls us to come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest, does have the power because the Holy Spirit is working through that gospel to call us to faith and to keep us in that one true faith. It is the yoke of the gospel that saves us. And that's Jesus' invitation to hold to. And by the way, it couldn't have come at a better time to go out and do missionary work and to find out that so many are not listening, that so many are not coming to faith, that so many are even kicking these apostles and these these disciples even out of their towns because they don't want to listen to it and hear it. Jesus wasn't just speaking to a crowd of people. He was speaking... To his missionaries letting them know you come to me my yoke is light my burden is easy because only in me can you find rest the ministry today is not easy maybe the numbers aren't where we want them to be Oh, I haven't met a church yet that isn't crying for more money or maybe even crying for more volunteers and and crying for more people to step up and help and serve. and, and, And yet, in the light of it, when you continue and carry out the gospel ministry of Christ, it can easily be discouraged. Why even tell some people? And why even invite them? Why even encourage them about Jesus? They might just reject it anyway. Oh, it brings tears to my eyes when I see someone who comes to church and says, Pastor, I invited so-and-so to church, and I'm standing at the door because I told them I would meet them. And we're playing the first hymn, and they're still not here. But I'm thankful to God that they invited that person, even if they didn't show up. We might think that we should just quit. But that's not what God invited us to do. Jesus invited us to cling to the yoke, the yoke of the gospel that we ourselves can't live without. And when it comes to the ministry, it is the yoke of the gospel that we proclaim to the ends of the earth. My dear friends, through faith in Christ, the yoke is on you. And that's no joke the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus Amen Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church if you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.s-a-l-e-m-e-v-l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n.org. May God bless you today and every day.